Okay, <laughs> let's try this again. And let's hope that this time it doesn't... The internet doesn't <laughs> randomly go out and then fuck us, fuck us over again. And here's to the beginning! Oh, <laughs> Why, Johnny Ringo. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I can change it at any time. I'm your huckleberry. And running came the whisper from each lip, and he's here to do some business with Incoming the Rambling Podcast, with your hosts, Conway Titty and Stoney Robbins. Howdy, hey, cowpokes, and welcome back to another episode of the rambling podcast i'm your host conway titty joined with me always is stony robbins the stonith of robinson is here in the building with us he's technically in the building he's like two two doors away from me and sometimes it's really fun when we do these episodes or even just like during streams i can hear him his mic will like cut out but i can hear him screaming or laughing chaotically throughout the house and i wish that's something i could be able to recreate for you guys but it is the funniest just echoing down the hallway of like giggle fest or screaming and it's hilarious i'm not kidding yeah you can hear me sometimes but i can hear you quite often you get you get loud and, and fun, and I think that's hilarious. Like I said, I wish I could recreate that for the audience, but uh, can't, so this is what you get instead. Well, they could. I'd have to just put my microphone in a different corner. Super, super different, just at a distance, cackle laughing. Yeah. <laughs> like echoes. <laughs> Which is weird, because like I'd have to have like two microphones, because this one picks up would... my voice at a normal volume. Like I'm you just would, talking yeah. at a normal, normal, audible level right now, but if I yeah. start screaming... It completely cuts it's out tough, because I yeah. have the noise suppression software on. Yeah. And it sucks because, like, in the software we're used to, we can't add any, like, filters or anything that I normally have during, like, our stream sessions. Um, but this will do. We're doing what we can, guys. And we're bringing it to you every week, trying to entertain you guys and talk about topics that are uh, fun and crazy. And it is finally fall. It's the spooky season, spooky season, Halloweeny season. The leaves are changing, and there's a crunch crisp in the air, and I'm loving it. I'm so over summer. Granted, the weather is still, you know, 95 degrees Fahrenheit here, uh, but we did get a touch of uh, a touch of fall a couple weeks ago with a little 50 degrees Fahrenheit. I really did enjoy that. I was like, this is great, but now it's still super hot, and I'm waiting for the moment that we get a, you know, it's crispy. It's cool. It's just a nice, it's a nice weather. It's, it's the best season. I enjoy winter, but I, I think fall, winter, spring, and like summer is dead last. I'm, I'm over these 110 degree days. I don't know why people like it. Well, it hasn't been 110 for a while. It's only like 95 right now. Yeah, but it's still like. Let's let's not oversell it too hard now. I meant for the summer. Like that's why summer sucks. It's because it's like 110. But summer's over. 
I know. And now we're getting into actual fall, which for us, that means instead of 110, now it's only like 80s, 90s and gradually will fall off. And like, it'll still probably be like 70 by the time mid-November rolls around. Uh, No, I don't, I don't think so. I think we're going to watch, watch, just watch, mm, just watch. I, I like the all of a sudden it's 30 degrees. It, well, that's, I think that's a difference. It's October in a few days and it's still 95. So, well, that's how know. it always is. What I'm saying is like, I love the drastic shift that happens a lot where it's like oh my god it's super hot and then like a week later it's almost snowing it's just such a and then it just stays like that such a huge shift i love it i think it's definitely my favorite uh season and um we talked about how halloween and like this october seasonal aspect it would be so weird not with this not with like a cool crisp weather like maybe like a winter it could pass, but like I can't imagine ha- Halloween in weather that's like summer, where it's a summer season. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't really pair well, you know. After living on the East Coast, I will tell you, when it's like October and it's like forty degrees for Halloween, it's great. It's I really like, great. I like when we get like a nice little fall with it, but that's what I'm saying. Is like I couldn't imagine any season like if Halloween was paired with a different month. I just don't, it just doesn't, you know, it's the colors and the, in the scheme of things and the tones. Yeah, but the thing that I'm telling you is if you think it's great now, you should see it like on the East coast where there's actual season summer, winter. Cause that's all we have where we're at summer or winter. There's no in between. And I love, I love the whole Vermont and Maine and Connecticut foliage maps where it shows like the peak hours or the now the peak the peak days and weeks of like oh yeah see i don't even know that that much into well, it. i'm just talking about like i mean i i lived in virginia for enough time that like no i know i know what you, but i'm talking about like that is a huge thing that people do watch when they like go vacation up there and do some things they watch the foliage maps because they want to you know get there during like the peak time where the colors are red and orange. yeah i just i just oh, miss i love fall. it I, like, I, I miss I miss we like, get like a week of it and then it goes to winter I'm pretty sure. I miss That's like East Coast fall because it lasts for like a solid month month and a half and yeah. then it gradually goes from being you know only 90s roughly but like more humidity to hey humidity's gone it's kind of dry out oh look at that the weather's going down it's like 60s 40s and it like kind of climbs its way down and then it's like oh it's winter time so now it's like 30 to zero degrees depending yeah. on how we, bad the weather is. We I summer, miss having seasons. We get a summer, one week of fall, immediate winter, and then like a week of spring, and then back to well, heat summers. I it's will snug. say we we get about a month of spring. And the only reason I know that is because like as soon Sometimes as March starts, it, it goes from 35 degrees at the beginning of March to then it's like, Fahrenheit, oh, it's yeah. 60 outside now. So you can go back to t-shirt. I remember that yeah. because I remember going from off-season weightlifting to Baseball, oh my god, you don't gotta explain as soon as the weather started. Tony Gitman is I gotta explain every detail of my life right now with, with seasons. That's how he remembers most of his life is just well, by the seasons. That's the only way I can remember <laughs> things. Uh but yeah, I was I was making sure to say Fahrenheit too for all the international listeners. I want to make sure that you know we are you know accommodating. That's for the international people out there listening to us talk about uh, weather in the bumfuck part of states. <laughs> anyway, so uh, with that 10-minute intro we got going. Um, today's topic is all about horror films, movies, 
Um, obviously, you can tell by the fucking title of when you clicked on it, you obviously can see that it's right there. Um, this is a semi-scripted episode. Uh, I wanted to do a little, like, brief history about horror movies and, like, the awards kind of not being provided. And I just wanted to have a nice little background for you guys. And then towards the end of the episode, Stoney and I are going to talk about our favorite horror films in no particular order. We just wanted to talk about some that we really just love to watch over and over. So if you don't want to listen to any of the, like, history part, feel free to skip to the end. We'll have that. Um, but as just like we did last week when we talked about our sexual deviance of history with uh, Mozart, that was a fully scripted episode. And I'm, I think Stoney and I do enjoy those because it does give us some sort of structure when we're talking. Um, and allows us to kind of just teach you guys as well. Like, sometimes we learn on each episode just along with you guys but it's really nice to also talk about a topic that we're quite knowledgeable about and also reading from other people's brilliant article works or books and things like that and I just really like the dynamic of being able to have an option of like some episodes where just whatever freehand thoughts that go into our brains and then other parts are super constructed and this one's a little bit right in the middle so we know you guys like listening to these more structured episodes like this, and we figured why not uh, go ahead and do one about something close to the time because it's, you know, it's October, Halloween's coming up soon, and we figured why don't we give you guys a nice little brief kind of history about horror and all the bullshit that goes along with it and something of that sort. And that's the best part is that not only are they fun for us, but the fact that you guys actually enjoy them makes it more uh, palatable for us. So it doesn't feel like we are script reading in a sense. It, it's we're working on not only just reading in general, but being able to like read towards an audience, which is something that I felt like I've done quite a bit, but Sony's getting used to as well. And it's, it's nice to see the growth of, like I said, we're on episode 43 and the podcast as a whole has grown so much compared to the very first episode. Um, and even just like first episode when we did no cams, you know, and it was only just voice. And I, I really like the dynamic of everything and just adding little elements to m keep the podcast episodes entertaining, but also a nice um, teachable moments. Like any anytime we can, we can all as a society just learn something, even it's like a fun fact, it, it's great. As always, we like to give our sources for every kind of research, to research topic <laughs> that uh, we have. Most, Some of them are like articles. Some of them are book passages that we are reading directly from. Um, we did not write a lot of this. I just like to do a little disclaimer. So with that being said, today's sources are the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, the New York Film Academy, um, a horror snubs article by Kelsey Christine McConnell, and a horror movies article by Lloyd Farley. They both have like really long article names, so I just kind of summed it up, but um, articles by them. And this will allow us to, like I said, sound more coherent. And it's not like we're, uh, for example, the last podcast on the left where they read like six books in a week and then type an entire script. We're not that in depth, but it's nice to be able to reiterate a uh, some really fun knowledge that I've researched to be able to present to not only you, but to Stoney. With that being said, now that you guys have our sources, let's go ahead and get right into it, shall we, Stoney? Yes, we shall. All right. 
is defined as the painful and intense fear, dread, or dismay. An intense aversion or repugnance. Repulsive, horrible, or dismissal quality or character. Today we are going to be teaching a brief history of horror films. One of the worst genres to ever grace the screen. Or so the critics say. Terrifying people through stories, it's been a pastime of humans since antiquity, with a large swath of folklore centered around things that go bump in the night, particularly supernatural going-ons or anything related to and exploring our innate fear of death. With such a strong precedence in literature and oral history, it's no surprise that the first horror movie was quick to get its feet under the table soon after the advent of cinema. Over the course of a century, Film horror has gone through many peaks and troughs, leading us into somewhat a contentious period we find ourselves in today. The history of horror as a film genre begins with, as many things in cinema history, the works of George Melilles. Just a few years after the first filmmakers emerged in the mid-1890s, Melilles created Les Moines du Diable, sometimes known in English as The Haunted Castle or the House of the Devil in 1896. And it is widely believed to be the first horror movie ever. This three-minute film is complete with cauldrons, animated skeletons, ghosts, transforming bats, and ultimately an incarnation of the devil. While not intended to be scary, more wondrous was Melise's M.O. It was the first example of a film, only just discovered in 1977, but it was to include the supernatural and set a precedent for what was to come. Where the genre will go over the next hundred years is anyone's guess, but sometimes it's good to look back on the long road we traveled to get to this point. After the first horror movie, sometime between 1900 and 1920, an influx of supernatural-themed films followed. Many filmmakers, most of whom still trying to find their feet in the new genre, turned to literature classics as source material. The first adaptation of Frankenstein was released by Edison Studios in the early days, as well as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the werewolf, now both lost to the fog of time. Things were starting to roll at this point as we moved on. Now entering its golden age, horror films were widely considered to be the finest era of the genre. The two decades between the 1920s and 1930s saw many classics being produced and can be neatly divided down the middle to create a separation between the silent classics and the talkies. On the silent side of the line, you've got monumental titles such as The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari in 1920 and Nosferatu in 1922. Which we absolutely love Nosferatu. I think it's one of the best and I get why it's a classic. Yeah, the first time I ever heard about Nosferatu was actually in SpongeBob, of all places. Uh, and like the very first episode, there's a, like a throwaway bit at the very end of the episode with like Nosferatu clicking a light switch up and down. Oh, and... the 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 hash slinging slasher episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like Nosferatu. Yep. And I think that's um, as as just an art and animation in general. I think that's so cool that even just that small SpongeBob clip was like such a introduction to a lot of people to a 1920s black and white horror film. Um, even if it was just that small part, it's like maybe kids wouldn't have known that any other way. Like for me, I knew about Nosferatu, but for you, that was like your way of like, oh, that's like from this. And then now you compare it to now and it's like, oh, 
that's where you learned it from. I think that's cool that SpongeBob did a little homage to that, even if it's like I said, something that's from the twenties and it's two thousand, you know, six. You know, these were the first movies to really make an attempt to unsettle their audience. Once the silent era gave way to the technological process, we had a glut of incredible movies that paved the way for generations to come, particularly in the field of monster movies. They get the second iteration of Frankenstein in 1931, The Mummy in 1932, or the first color adaptation of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in 1931. The 30s also marked the first time that the word horror was used to describe the genre. Previously, it was really just romance melodrama with a dark element. And it also saw the first horror stars being born. Bella Lugosi was arguably the first to specialize solely in the genre. And as well as unnerving its viewers, the genre was starting to worry the general public at this point. With heavy censoring and public outcry becoming common with each release. Freaks in 1932 is a good example of a movie that was so shocking at the time, it got cut extensively, with the original version now nowhere to be found. Director Todd Browning, who had previously created the aforementioned and wildly successful Dracula, saw his career flounder at the hands of this controversy. The shock value of Freaks is one of the few that has aged well up until the present day and is still highly disturbing to watch. Which, when you think about it, though, it seems like anything horror-based or scandalous during this time would be it just so cut. Um, it makes sense. I mean, it still happened throughout. Um, I mean, it still happens today, but it's not as bad. But I would say horror as a genre in general, g genre in general, <laughs> as a genre in general, um, has had a good amount of, like, People just thinking, especially when it gets into like demonic stuff, thinking it's just the worst type of art in the entire world. And they don't even look at it as an actual movie anymore. And it kind of goes, you know, hand in hand with the whole satanic panic in the 80s style and everything just being devil this, devil that. And it all depends on, you know, the environment, the religious views, the uh, what's going on at the time during this uh, politically as well. And I just, it's so fascinating that. Obviously, some horror film that's not even as crazy as some are now, they would they would shit their pants to see the some of the ones that are, are available to watch now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so weird that because of someone who was already so successful in the industry puts out one movie, they're so scared that their entire career and reputation is is tainted and and gone. And it's it's just, it's insane. After Freaks was banned for 30 years in the country that really came into its own during this period, Great Britain. This is known as the Atomic Years of Horror. The Th Hammer Horror Company, while founded in 1934, only started to turn prolific during the 50s, but when it did, it was near global dominance thanks to a lucrative distribution deal with Warner and a few other U.S. studios. Once again, it was adaptations like Frankenstein, Dracula, and The Mummy that put the company squarely on the map followed by a slew of psychological thrillers and TV shows. And of course, you can't mention British horror without paying respects to Alfred Hitchcock, who single-handedly is responsible for establishing the slasher genre, which we'll see a lot of as we travel further forward in time. Another hallmark of the 1940s and 1950s era of horror came as the product of the times. With war ravaging Europe and fears of nuclear fallout running rampant, it's of little surprise that horror began to feature 
antagonists that were less supernatural in nature. Radioactive mutation became a common theme, as in the incredible shrinking manner Godzilla, as did the fear of invasion with The War of the Worlds and When Worlds Collide, both big hits in 1953. The latter marked the earliest rumblings of the disaster movie genre, but it would be a couple more decades before that would get into full swing. And this is where horror as a as genre shifts into more of, instead of monsters or, um, I mean, we technically aren't really into the like religious demonic things just entirely yet. They're yeah, we couldn't, playing... we couldn't do anything at that time when it comes to religion and stuff like that, because that was still one of those things that was like Ta- seriously really tab- yeah. taboo to talk about. At this time, they're they're really honing in to the realistic fears of this era, like wars being the main thing, and like the radioactive mutation. That's such a huge common theme. Um, yeah, you got with, a swamp thing. Yeah, with with like most that. of with most of the um, films in general. Like a lot of the films were even just war based movies, even if they weren't horror. Um, yeah, there's a lot of war, and then that's a, like. Common. Even even in even in like things like comic books and stuff like that, because of the time that it was, yeah, yeah, they were exactly. putting like Superman, Superman in fighting. versus the Nazis, <laughs> yeah. and it's like what? Yeah, but it's it just that became like I said, this this little era is is mainly on a realistic fear, a realistic fear that you could be bombed or a, a nuke could blow up. The whole Oppenheimer movie aspect with it, you know, like it it's that honed in. This it would be perfect in the forties and fifties, you know, like that's it's just such a a kind of crazy fear tactic as well is because not 100%, only 100% a lot of it was fear mongering that's yes, what most of yes, it was yes because not only were they just putting out horror films but they were really like I said leaning into people's already huge Their huge fear. fears yes exactly and then seeing what this could look like if something blew up you're gonna have well, all yeah, around, this is also a little bit a little bit further and... a little bit further into this not only do you just have stuff like horror movies and stuff, but it talked about TV shows and stuff. And that's also where you start seeing uh, shows like the twilight zone pop up because uh, all the original uh, twilight zone episodes are in black and white. So this is in this time period. Yeah, It's, it's in one of those of a, a possibility of scenarios that, you know, like the fear of this might happen, this might happen or this might hope happen. So if this happens, this is what could happen to the human race. We all could be, you know, melting from the skin and all the food's poisoned. The water's disgusting, you know? Like, it's just a fascinating shift from, like, just made-up monsters. That, that's what people were genuinely scared of. And now it's like, oh, no, war. <laughs> war is realistic. Because it was happening, you know? It just happened or it was happening during this time. Just kind of depends on, like I said, when a lot of these, uh, this art was created. So with that, in comes what most refer to as the gimmicky years, which includes like 3D glasses and electric buzzers installed into theater seats. There was also paid stooges in the audience screaming and pretending to faint. So everything and anything was tried during the 50s and 60s in an attempt to further scare cinema audiences, which I find absolutely just crazy but i get how people could fall for that stuff during this time it's not like they had like i said the internet or multiple videos going around of people you know they don't they don't understand the scam you know what i'm saying 
Oh yeah, the like the buzzers and seats and stuff like that. I can only imagine how obnoxious. Those like I said, were. the extra actors. It's kind of like with with the uh, mu- the music, the big music people, for example. Like oh you know, yeah, the girls painting in... yeah. uh, with Elvis and different things. Like it's just so weird because it's all a ploy and 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 city. Yeah, it's, you know, it's capitalism at work <laughs> yeah, right there. It's crazy, it's crazy. The penchant for interactivity spilled over into other genres during this period, but quickly died down in part due to the massive amount of expenses involved. I couldn't imagine how much you got paid as a uh, actor to be in these environments throwing up because you're so scared. And then that makes other people be like, oh my God, this movie is so genuinely terrifying. So yeah, I could imagine how fucking expensive this shit gets. For horror in particular, this gave way to the opposite end of the spectrum incredibly low-budget productions. From the late 60s onwards, so insatiable was the American appetite for gore that slasher films produced for well under a million dollars took hold and were churned out by volume. This is where the (laughs) quantity over quality really comes into play and where I think it just took a giant nosedive. Well, it was also... I mean, it's not like how it is nowadays, where if you want to watch something, you can watch it from home. Back then, yeah, that's all they true. had were And then you're the like, movie. this sucks, this sucks. And you would watch sucks. it yeah. multiple times. Like, people would go see the yeah. same movie over and over again because Depending that's all they had good. to do. Yeah, because yeah, there's nothing to do at that time, but what are you going to do, read a book? Exactly. That's not to say that there weren't some masterpieces produced during this time, though. George A. Romero emerged triumphant and kick-started zombie movies in this period. Having produced Night of the Living Dead in 1968 with just over $100,000 in production, like costs, right? To be able to make that film, which is crazy. But that's also hundred grand in 1968 money. But, which... but it then went on to gross $30 million in 68. Yeah, thirty million dollars. Thirty million dollars in nineteen sixty. That's, that's like having a. That'd be like having a hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's crazy. Bar billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, all hell breaks loose, and classics emerge with a vengeance. A cult was the flavor of the day between the seventies and eighties, particularly when it came to houses and kids being possessed by the devil. The reason for this cultural obsession with religious evil during this period could fill an entire article on its own, so we're not going to talk about that. So we're going to bring it back into mainly just the cinema, because if we talk about, like I said, the 80s and 70s satanic panics and the fucking Dungeons and Dragons, anything that had to do with witchcraft, like, that's a whole episode Stone and I think we should do some other time. We can basically boil down the trend to two horror milestones. 1973's The Exorcist and 1976's The Omen. Supernatural horror was very much back in vogue and harking back to its cinematic origins and literature once again became the source material. This time, however, it wasn't a Victorian author whose work had fallen out of copyright, but a gentleman named Stephen King. Dun, dun, dun. Good old Stephen King. <laughs> oh. Okay. For how much, if you guys uh, love or hate Stephen King, you got to give it to him. That dude has written some crazy ass books and numerous amounts of horror that have changed a, an entire genre. It really has. Without Stephen King's writings, I don't think horror would be what it is today. As crazy and as as detailed and in depth. I mean, he's long, he, he long. definitely is one of the pioneers of modern horror. Yeah, for sure. K 
Carrie in 1976 stormed the gates. The Shining in 1980 finished the siege. With 1982's Supernatural Fright Fest, Poltergeist following soon afterward. That movie actually scared me to death as a kid. I genuinely was so terrified of the little girl touching the TV. And, you know, at this time, too, uh, my family still had one of those big box static TVs. So I was always scared that if I touched it, I would get sucked into the TV and become a, 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 a TV ghost. That it could only speak through radios and, t- and uh, static waves. And that genuinely was, like, scary. Um, until this day, it still holds up pretty well. A lot of these still hold up. With these hallmarks in the history of horror now firmly established, the foundations were laid for the first slashes to emerge on the big screens. If there's one trope that defines the 80s, it's the slasher format. A relentless antagonist hunting down and killing a bunch of kids in ever-increasing inventive ways, one by one. These are my favorite horror movies. I love the aesthetics of it. I love the themes of it. I think even we we talked about this, even with the trillion sequels that a lot of these have that go to like five or six movies, I still think they're great. I still think this genre of film is so nice because not only are they using practical effects and it's not a lot of CGI, some of them have CGI. Don't get me wrong. We, you know, we talk about that. But yeah, definitely um, out of out of a subgenre. The practical effects yeah. are so nice. I love a good practical effect. This era arguably was kicked off by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974. The output became prolific over the next decade. For every ten generic slashers, however, there was one flick that would end up becoming a cult classic, even if critical success was mixed at the time. Halloween. Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street are the most prominent examples, which became so successful that they have spawned their own long-running franchises, which was the first time in history that the genre had multiple sequels become a thing. And, like, not only, like, a thing, but also as popular as the first ones, which is, like, crazy what we talked about. You know, the fact that, you know, Jason, (laughs) that fucking Friday the 13th has a Jason X. And, uh... The Halloween has a Halloween 21, 20 years later. And now they have a, a Halloween that just came out with Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Halloween to, uh, H2O. H2O. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my favorite, I think we discussed this, was, it's not on our list, but one of my favorites of this, the crossovers, was Jason versus Freddy. Yeah. The crossovers. I love Freddy the versus Jason's good. Yeah, Freddy versus Jason. They did the whole the whole crossovers in the mix. I think that's so great and such a brilliant way to combine. It's such a, it's such a weird, <laughs> it's such great, a weird crossover though. But think because, about like, it. It the whole thing is like, them. it makes no sense. Like, I hate you. You hate me. Let's fight about it. Yeah. But <laughs> okay. It, but also the thing is like, it doesn't work on any other genre. It yeah. works here. It you would know? never it work on anything works. else. No, yeah. it works. You can't have just a comedy special, you know, like an actual comedy movie or a rom-com put together. And you're like, oh, yeah. Big that Daddy meets Mr. Deeds. Yeah, it just doesn't. Like, this makes sense in the horror genre. And I love it because it, it the way they wrote that, too, is I'm we're going to after this after I'm going to go watch Freddy, Freddy versus Jason again. But it's written so well that it makes sense because they're both in a realm of horror type slasher films all because of a slasher genre. Like I said, the 80s are the best. The 80s slashers are the best. Plenty of imitators and ripoffs followed, uh, particularly in the holiday theme department. Some were a lot better than others as the genre descended to its most kitschy. Similar to the first horror movie, these films were not intended to scare, but entertain. And boy, did they. 
I find them so entertaining because of the practical effects. I find, um, we talked about how like in, uh, like the Lost Boys even, uh, Granted, the 80s is such a weird time in movies because they're also working with, like, new camera angles. And some of them look really goofy. Some of them look good. But my my best example is in The Lost Boys when they're when the vampires are flying over to, like, kill a victim. It's that POV cam right above the actor. And the actor just has to act like there's this giant monster that's about to eat them. And then all of a sudden they're getting, like, strung up by a rope and moved out of frame. And it's just, like, it looks so fake but it's also like said oh it's the 80s so that makes sense and i just love the experimentation that they had during this time and i think that's what makes them really fun because i know uh quentin tarantino obviously very famous movie director um hates the 80s films he hates he thinks that's the worst genre or worst uh era of movies in general and I find that fascinating because it's like, I fucking love 80s movies. I don't care yeah, how stupid they are. I mean, you can see where he's coming from, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Because yeah. like in the 80s, they it w- they had too good of effects that things started to look real for at that time. And then some but if you really tried fake. to look at it now, most of it looks like dog shit. Yeah, and which is, it just which is doesn't hold into, up a lot of it. Which is right on uh, right where we're about to jump into. This next little weird time in... I would say movies and movies in general, but especially in the horror films. Suffering from exhaustion in the wake of a thousand formulaic slasher movies and their sequels, the genre lost steam as it moved into the 1990s. The advent of computer-generated special effects brought with it a number of lackluster CGI monster titles that did little to revive the genre, such as Anaconda 1997, and Deep Rising in 1998. To but- be fair, to be fair, Anaconda was absolutely terrifying to me as a child. I also have a giant fear of snakes anyways. So to see these, like, freaking ice cube wrapped around this, <laughs> like, 100-foot thick-ass snake looks like he's getting actually eaten is insane. You watch Anaconda now, you're like, this ain't fucking real. That don't look real at all. But at the time... It looked crazy. Looked well, crazy. yeah, back th- and also back then that was like the best CGI could do, and nobody and knew better. Knew. So yeah, exactly. Everyone thought, "Wow, that looks really cool." Amazing! Give him an award. An award. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Jackson's early foray into filmmaking saw him taking the splatter subgenre to ridiculous extremes with *Brain Dead* in 1992 and Wes Craven's slasher parody *Scream* in 1996. They were met globally with overwhelming success. The genre as a whole limped on without much fanfare into the 2000s, except for a few box office successes. The zombie subgenre, however, sprang back into unalive. Unalive. Uh, <laughs> unalive. Pun intended. <laughs> during this decade, arguably spurred on by the unprecedented success of Max Brooks's novel World War Z, later becoming a film in its own right. The movie adaptation of Resident Evil in 2002 was among the first of the new wave, followed swiftly by 28 Days Later, only a few months later. Dawn of the Dead in 2004, Land of the Dead in 2005, I Am Legend in 2007, and Zombieland in 2009. And obviously, we can't forget the worldwide success of The Walking Dead TV show. Not only were zombie-type movies extremely popular during this time, but so were spoof movies. The entire Scary Movie franchise, Shaun of the Dead, 
Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, and numerous others were thrown into the limelight, making the horror industry very laughable. It seemed that horror films were just not that scary anymore. This, we grew up definitely during this time, consuming a lot of these movies and a lot of these. Well, yeah, this was a, this was a lot of our formative years. We're like yeah. the, the early to the late two thousands. Were yeah, that, that's a ten year block that was very formulative for both and of us. I am not a big fan of zombie anything. Uh, I think the Resident Evils hold up, and I think the 28 Days and 28 Weeks Later holds up. But, like, everything else, I'm not a fan of it. I'm an extreme fan of the spoof movies. I think all of us were during that time, too. Is like, spoof was such a big thing. They were, it was all over YouTube doing video spoofs. And then it was, like, movie spoofs of, like, any, all movies together. Oh, and there was so movies. many things. It was like, great. The, the whole, was the great. whole spoof aspect was, and it was about everything. Because, remember, there was, like, scary it's movies not- made fun of, horror movies you yeah. had. The superhero movies that made fun of but, them. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's like so the spoof movies would not hold up today. Not in a sense of like the jokes, anything, but like people like the audience now don't really think spoof movies are as funny. And for some reason during this time, it was. And I think it's because most it seemed like most of the horror movies were all the same. And that's why Correct. it is so laughable. Like, it, it, it was always it, it, a zombie it, movie. It was always some girl getting killed first. It was always a cabin. It was, you know, like there was just this level of like not scary, not It's not really, realistic. It, it, it was just like, it's like scary movies had become very complacent at this point. Yes, where yes, It was much. just a lot of the same redone gags, the same exact way someone would die. Oh, look, they're going to all, instead of going to the smart area, they're going to run into the the building with nothing but things hanging from which, the ceiling that which make is noise. Why, which is why I think the spoof movies did were so successful because us as an audience were like, yeah, these horror movies are just like that. And the scary movie franchise really honed into like every single detail of a scary movie or like the Tucker and Dale versus evil. That's so spot on. And Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. I think the big thing about it and why it was so, so much better and why it was and, so And us having except, the internet. Think about that and too. why it was so widely acceptable was also because like it relied a lot on slapstick humor, which at that time, everyone thought slapstick was like the funniest stuff ever. And if you look now, it's like you don't see a whole lot of slapstick anymore because people are just kind of like, well, we've seen that guy fall 30 times. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like I said, and us having the internet, we we became slowly desensitized to things that are graphic or in. Oh yeah, horrible. you just had to keep pushing the envelope in order for yeah, anything and, to be and scary. Yeah, and see what you can do. Yeah, because at that time, you know, the internet was still very lawless. We talked about it in our uh, our our internet episode about growing up on the internet. At this time, there was like nothing. Nothing was unable to be seen, so you could, you know, see actual horror yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can see more realistic things. And I think this is where we really fall off from something that goes from monsters to realistic scares and realistic to back to kind of monsters, like kind of, you know, slasher, humanoid things. Um, but also the the during the 70s, 80s, it's more realistic as a realistic fear, because, too, because of all the serial killers, right? Right, exactly. During that time, it was, you know, you couldn't go anywhere without it being like, oh, there was a massacre over here. Oh, there's an active serial killer in 30 cities all at once. And, oh, people are getting murdered while hitchhiking. So it made the horror genre so much easier to play into because they were just taking real life fears, changing a couple things about them, and boom, you've got a movie about it. Yeah, I think that's also where you find the monster and realistic uh, fear put together to where these people are kind of, like I said, Freddy's kind of 
monster-esque, but he's still a he's a humanoid, you know, basically. Like, Halloween is this ultimate, or, yeah, Michael Myers is this ultimate humanoid. Jason's this ultimate humanoid. And then Freddy's this ultimate humanoid. But they all have the traits of, like, serial killers, a slasher, something that could get you if you're in a cabin by yourself or you're in a cabin with friends or you're in your home alone, which does play into the serial killer uh, cult-type killings that were going on at this time so i i hate that it goes from that to something that relies so heavily on less practical effects and more on the cgi because it was so new right and then yeah. just overloads the zombie genre which is like for me like i fucking hate zombie movies i don't think they're good i think they're and all see, pretty much that's the where same, that's no? where we differ like i mean we're we're both real big into slashers but me more so than you i think in certain aspects no i i love slasher films you're more into like the zombie style well see i like both I, but like you know it's it, it it's just weird that it's like we had such these good like kind of stories shifts and then it turns into well technically it would be a, a realistic fear because it could be some virus overcoming the entire world exactly exactly i understand that like i said resident evil does a really good job on detailing that but like the rest of the zombie things in general like especially when it comes like the walking dead show i never really got into that at all i never got into that either i could not stand it everyone loved it everyone liked it i i watched maybe a season worth over the however many seasons there actually are and it seemed like every single thing was the exact same thing over and over and over again yeah that's they find they get a bunch of people together they get a nice little base going They're they're doing good then someone does one dumbass decision and Boom, the entire place gets swarmed. Some people die in the swarm. Some people get out. Then they just find another place. And it just keeps repeating the entirety of that fucking show until the end when everyone's basically just dead. And it's like, you drug this out for 12 fucking years. Exactly. You got nothing to show but the same story. Not only is The Last of Us game was absolutely amazing. I played both and watched The Last of Us is an exception because that is a very the Last of Us game, when it came out in 2012, um, that was still around this era of of Walking Dead stuff and a bunch of zombie things coming out as well. Like, we're still in that time frame. But that was just the video game. So it's in the video game culture, along with the Resident Evil stuff and remasters and everything. But then you recently had The Last of Us getting made into an actual TV show, and it was done just like the game because the game is not overwhelming with human looking zombies it's it's no it's 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 zombies that are actually supposed to look like zombies it's a whole mushroom colony thing like it just it holds up so well compared to a a lot of these other zombie things is what i'm saying like it has a difference that's a huge difference you know rather than it just being like oh someone has a thing and then they're infected and then that's it like at least there's more detail to it and i do really i think the last of us was really well done i think the Next season is going to be incredible. I think Last of Us season one, episode three, actually ripped out my entire heart and tore to pieces and lit my body on fire and made me cry so hard. I've never cried the hard my entire life. So fucking good. Anyway, so I digress. (laughs) I don't like zombie movies too much. That's the Last of Us is an exception. (laughs) The Last of Us is exception. But the fact that during this time, it was such, that's all we saw. All horror films. That's all we saw. In the present day, the state of the horror industry is hotly contested, with the genre seemingly relying on churning out remakes, reboots, and endless sequels. Many argue it's languishing in the doldrums once again with little originality to offer a modern audience. The resurgence of 
torture porn is also derided as a subgenre, having come back into the fore in the wake of the 2000 Saw and Hostel franchises, with no sign of slowing down. On the other hand, glimmers of hope shine through with examples of extreme originality and artistry. Cabin in the Woods in 2012 has been heralded as these decades scream, and the recent releases of The Babadook and A Girl Who Walks Home Alone at Night, both in 2014, breathes a new life into the genre. Jordan Peele, writer, producer, and actor, rose as the new king of horror with original films including 2017 Get Out, 2019's Us, and 2022's Nope, which all have been incredible. Like, he knew what he was doing when he wrote these, when he produced them, when he created every single fucking element. He is such a horror fan uh, as well, so it's so lovely to see somebody who is such a big fan of horror dive into a, a, a creating aspect and to be able to produce three incredible stories that not only are kind of sc- are scary, but they are psychologically they're psychological deep, thrillers, and and it's also why they're all three of those are in my in my top of all yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. They're they're very, very they're just good. deep thinking pieces. That's amazing. We have A24 Productions. If you guys don't know, that's the A24 has been around for a while, but A24 is the this this company, especially now that has been whipping out uh, movies like Pearl, X, um, the two couple new ones that like it pretty much they almost did anything every... or everything everywhere all at once. They did that one. Yes, um, they've done the Righteous Gemstones. Um, Anything, they're like they're any really good, the, yeah, really, really high-budget production company. But also staying strict to making sure it has good stories and it's not stupid or dumb. I just, I, I think this company is amazing. So they're creating endless works of art that can relate to the older 70s and 80s style films with a mix of modern age. And I think that's why I like them so much is because of that. They just do such a great job at uh, molding both uh both styles both, like you have yeah part both of the, styles, part of the yeah. old style mixed oh, with the new style it's just it meshes so well together and it's not overdone on any length it's like the perfect balance and you know some movies that try to recreate that are so are just flops but some of them just well they on. reach really high and it's just like it's it goes on it deaf sucks, ears yeah with perhaps more subgenres than any other branch of fictional filmmaking, it's difficult to see how anyone could expand or advance on anything that has come before in cinematic horror, which is very true. The fact that people can take small pieces of work without overdoing it, without recreating the same boring storyline, or try to turn out these fucking sequels that are dog shit. Yeah, and like it's it's so wild because we have all of these different subgenres, and it's like, why are you still doing the same thing? that someone else did 30 years ago. Like, come on, do something you can do. You can do better. I promise. With such a popularity, cult followings and numerous brilliant works. One would think awards would be thrown towards these movies. However, that is just not the case. Every year, more and more people become disillusioned with the Academy Awards. And why wouldn't they? Throughout its 95 years, the process has become a transparent game of insider politics. Go figure. Yeah, but that, yeah, exactly. But that doesn't stop people from hoping for the best and rooting for their favorite films. For horror fans, that hope often crumbles away into disappointment. Since the first Academy Awards in 1929, 1929, only six horror films have ever 
even been nominated for Best Picture. Six. Count it up six now. And those are The Exorcist, Jaws, The Silence of the Lambs, The Sixth Sense, Black Swan, and Jordan Peele's Get Out. Six. Since 1929. And of those six, only like a couple of them I'd be like, yeah, that I could see that being best picture. Here we go. Here we go. The Silence of the Lambs is the only film that ever took home the title. As it should. One in six since 1929. That's insane. Well, at least at least the one that did take it home is arguably one oh, of I, the greatest I, of all time It's movies. my favorite. It's my favorite movie of all time. I fucking love that movie. For years, the horror genre has been dismissed as silly slasher and gore porn. While it's hard to deny films like that do exist within the genre, is there any genre that exists without its frivolous films? Horror is a force of social commentary, a mirror that reflects back to not only our fears, but our flaws. Since it's a genre known for taking some of the biggest chances, you'd think it would get rewarded more often. Not as heinously snubbed as some of the other films that are on this list. For example, Psycho was actually nominated in four categories at the 33rd Academy Awards. Best Director, Best Supporting Actress, Best Art Direction for Black and White Film, and Best Cinematography for a Black and White Film. Today, the film has cemented itself as a classic. Everyone knows the story of the motel run by the Deadly's Mama's Boy, Norman Bates. It's a film that is referenced not only across several horror films, but across films in every genre imaginable. It's shocking to think that a film that's become such a cultural cornerstone wasn't even nominated for Best Picture. It's even more shocking to think that it's lost every single category it was nominated for, especially Beck's director, which uh, obviously was Alfred Hitchcock who did it. Isn't that just, it's insane. Yeah, how one of the, the, the greatest horror, yeah. horror directors ever the, didn't even win for it. Not even that, but one of the most iconic horror movies. It is yeah. number one on almost everyone's list of just Psycho because it's the original. It's the knife in the, if you guys don't know what Psycho is, it's that scene in the bathroom where she moves the curtain and goes, ee, 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 with the fucking knife. Like, that's the little tiny clip that you see in, like, for example, like I said, in every genre. It, it's some sort of plate on that, it, or even just yeah, the there's always there's it. always an homage to it. Just God, like, it's so, so dumb. many so many slasher films. But however, the film was a bit too morally taboo for the time period, and in the end, the film didn't need the accolades to become a masterpiece of legend. Other pieces like Hereditary, Sixth Sense, The Others, Pearl, The Shining, and Noped also got snubbed from wins as well. Horror movie fans couldn't care less. By and large, the horror movie fan wants two expectations met, scariness and gore. And that's accurate. That's Very so much accurate. so, uh, because like, it, I don't really give a shit what it involves, but like, even if it's like a really bad religious-based, like de demonic possession movie or something like that. If it's got if blood. I see, <laughs> if I see somebody like get a head ripped off or get all their limbs ripped off, I'm like, huh, nice. And, and it and does we'll it. We'll definitely get into that more about when we talk about our favorite horror movies. We'll dive more into depth about that. If the movie meets those expectations, then that movie is rewarded at the box office. To varying degrees, of course, films like The Conjuring succeeded with the horror movie fan because their lack of gore is more than made up by the effectiveness of its scares. 
It's said that horror movies are critic-proof, and there is truth to that. As a genre, the horror film has a present group of fans that will see a horror film just because it's a horror film. And this is very true. This is so we can, true. We can give an attest for this 100% because we went so, and saw the second Nun movie. Absolute shit. We were laughing our asses <laughs> off 10 minutes into the movie because of how egregious and how stupid and like, the, the gag elements and horror elements it were. It sucks. It sucks. Because The Conjuring and the Annabelle franchise or whatever you want to call the franchise – it's so well done in a lot of the other films. The only reason I wanted to watch The Nun 2 was because it was part of the franchise. And The Nun was actually pretty good. And I was like, oh my god, it's going to be so good. And uh, most of the time when you're, as a horror movie fan, you're not, like I said, talking about the critics. You're not looking at Rotten Tomatoes or anybody online to tell yeah, you. Yeah, because we don't good. care. It's it's a horror movie. We not know even, it's either going to be good or it's going to suck. There's no in between. Not even that you don't care. It's like, I don't trust people's opinions sometimes because some people yeah. think some Everyone's horror a critic. films are really bad. Well, some yeah. people think good horror films are really shit. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, and yeah, you can sit there with... and you can look at Roger and Ebert. They were like the two biggest like film critics. And half the time their picks were so, their takes on things were so bad. That it's like, why do we? Why are you guys in charge of any kind of critics? Not even that, but as a horror fan and just a lover of movies in general, I like to look at the cinematography and I like to look at like the focal points of like the misdirection of oh, they want you to look over here and something's gonna jump out over here and then you actually get scared because you're looking somewhere else to where they want you to look or you look you, like it, it, it kind of is a mind fuckery of you're trying to not guess the movie but outplay the the writing and the directing a little bit of like, I think I know what's going to happen. And then you still get scared. And that's really fun. But yeah, watching the nun two was such a disappointment. It was so bad. Highly do not recommend. I thought, I thought the story ish was decent, but I thought it wasn't as dark as the first one. It wasn't as uh, scary as the first one. It just was like, it could suck. It sucked. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just really bad. Whether it's actually good on a technical level, or the acting is brilliant, or the script is killer, no pun intended, is largely <laughs> irrelevant. Therefore, any awards are relevant by default. Truth. It, yeah. Whenever you don't care about any of that stuff You're making it for the fans. Yeah, it's for the fans. That's 100% it. Always for the fans. Conventional films don't have that same base to launch from, and are much more susceptible to critic or peer reviews. It's arguably why studios push for franchises in an attempt to mimic the baseline of a horror film by getting moviegoers attached to the next franchise project. But even that isn't foolproof. Which just shows that we went and watched The Nun because it was part of The Conjuring yep. franchise. We watched the series, <laughs> and time and time again, I've said it once, I've said it again, anything after three is gonna suck, and two and three arguably will suck as well. Yeah. The difference becomes obvious when one looks at how studios promote horror films over conventional films. To push a normal movie, studios weigh heavily on things like critic reviews, award nominations, who all's in the film, and even who made the damn thing. Often as flying text interspersed with scenes from the film. Horror films, on the other hand, push how scary or how bloody the movie is, speaking to the expectations of the fan base as described above. The goal, then, of a horror movie director isn't prestige but how effective they can be in scaring the living shit out of you. The glaring truth is that Hollywood, and more specifically the Academy, big ol' air quotes on that one. <laughs> the Academy. The fucking four white straight men that fucking dictate everything. Jesus. Yeah, they're, them and their just awful takes because people awful paid a lot of money for it. Awful shit ass. Oh, yeah. Fuck the Academy. <laughs> 
have conditioned the fans and creators of horror movies to keep awards and box office mutually exclusive. Which is so stupid. It depends on how much fucking money you make, and then you get all the awards. I think that's so fucking dumb. I think it's so dumb. One can't base the success of a horror movie on how many awards it's nominated for or how many it wins because history has overwhelmingly proven that even classics of the genre are repeatedly overlooked. Which, I, again, like we said earlier, only six times have we ever been nominated. And, at won, all. and, won, and, and, won and we've won one. In one category, we've won who's, one. Who's we? Who's we? <laughs> Tony's, Tony's been doing this thing to me like when I'm talking about football or like when teams. she talks about sports teams and she's I'll be like, like yeah like, we are doing really good I was like who the fuck is this we we were talking about <laughs> are you out there strapping up in I, like, the yeah, I was like oh are you putting your pads on you going out there and you scoring touchdowns is that what we are doing <laughs> so every time he says we I, I make fun of him now too <laughs> why put the time sorry who's we are you a, are you a horror director Jordan Peele <laughs> Oh my god. Why put the time and energy into crafting an Oscar-worthy horror film when there's only the slightest chance it would even be nominated? If acknowledged at all. Truth. It becomes more worthwhile for horror movie creators to see if they can find a premise that results in an even higher box office return. The Blair Witch Project. The granddaddy of found footage horror films made $245 million off of a $60,000 budget. Just absolutely. That, that's absolutely insane. Absolutely. That's a return of 408,000%. That's We're talking so about crazy. a budget so low that a couple people and a couple extras and a little bit of equipment made... So much fun. Made a homemade they... movie that everyone thought was real. So it scared everyone into watching it. Because they yeah. uh, that was the big thing too, is everyone thought the Blair Witch Project was real. Like actually Yeah, they thought it was happened. an actual because, an actual thing. Because of the found footage style it was shot in, which is why other movies like Paranormal Activity did so well uh in theaters and their like uh sequels did well is because of the shooting style um yeah. and it, all thanks to blair witch project to fucking 245 million that's yeah insane. they made one movie for less than a house cost and they <laughs> could never have a, to work ever again truck. if they didn't want to cost a yeah, truck they, it cost the amount <laughs> of a truck nowadays a modern um, a 2023 truck is how much they put into a movie and now they have more money than that's they know insane. what to do with yeah that's crazy it's a best-case scenario where the combination of a new premise and scariness catapulted the film over and above its peers at the box office. Worst-case scenario, you're easily making your budget back and probably a fuck-ton more. Which also goes back to the horror films are going to do what horror films are going to do. They're going to be horror. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Like I said, we wouldn't watch it because of just it was a horror movie, one. But two, it was part of the franchise. So when you have those two things interlocked together, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, horror fans are going to go watch these movies because it's horror. Good or bad, we and they will be the judge of it. The films can be watched year-round and heightened during the fall months, especially in October. Ooh, so, in spooky season. <laughs> so why waste your time on a critic-raved rom-coms starring picture-perfect actors confessing their loves to each other in some scripted make-believe bullshit? When you can see a mentally troubled seven foot tall humanoid mama's boy killing innocent campers by a crystal lake. The choice is truly up to you. 
And with that, did did you like my little writing on that? I did. I did. That I, was, I wrote that, was, that, was, that, was, that, I wrote that really well. Real pretty. Real Thank pretty. You. You, I, wrote, I wrote this wrote, whole paragraph. You read it real good. You I read, read it. it real good. Read it goodly. Well, I wrote this whole last paragraph, and I was like, I really like that last sentence, so I wanted to be able to say it. Yeah, we we know. Yeah, it's pretty. We know. Okay, now you can transition. All right, everyone clap. Everyone clap for Conway. Yay, we did it. Wow. We did it. We gave you a brief history of horror movies. So now's all, the time. With all that being said. <laughs> now's the time in the program. Where we now's the time over. where we're going to talk about what we like. And again, <laughs> this is in no particular order. Uh, we actually, it took us, I don't know, probably a good 30, 45 minutes to come up with this. I would say an this. hour. Yeah, okay, probably about an hour. Place. And it was mainly on mine, my mine 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 it was it was mainly on my side of things because i am not the most avid horror fan i do appreciate some horror movies but conway is definitely more of the horror fan than i am let's be real though trying to put a list into anything that we like is yes. really especially regardless movies. of horror but especially movies <laughs> it's like, like trying cinephiles. to ask us who's your favorite artist uh yeah. in what category in what way in what subgenre? maybe then because, i can narrow it down to five people because we are such cinephiles i mean this goes with anything making a list is really hard because it depends on what our mood is have we seen the movie recently or not is it some movie we've seen too many times that kind of lost its or lost the luster of it? Is it the environment of where we watch the movie for the first time and then you watch it again and you're like, oh, that's not as good because you're not in a movie theater full of people screaming? You know, like there's just so much like different <laughs> things that contribute to this list. So it took us a lot longer. I mean, mine was a little pretty easier, but it took a lot yeah, longer. Yeah, you got your you got Tony, yours figured out pretty quick. Tony listed like thirty movies, and then I was like, we have to narrow it down to at least ten. Yeah, orig- <laughs> well, originally she said, "What are your top five horror movies?" And I was like, "Fuck, like, I, I don't know." Do <laughs> I was like, "I can't do that." And then she's like, "Okay, well, let's just start naming them, and we'll we'll work it down." I was like, "Here's so, a bunch, and we'll go with 10. So, so like I said, mind you, not- mind you, none of this is in any order, and I'm gonna say things like in my first spot. That just means the first one I have on this little chart we made, okay? Because I can't decide anything. So that's not an order. That's just how I read. And also, we're going to be explaining why. So you guys are A little bit about uh, each reason. And we are so open to y'all judging us for the choices. That's totally fine, too. Everyone has their opinions on choices, especially when it comes to horror movies. And I know the fan base is crazy on each particular horror movie. So we might be leaving some really good ones out. And then later, like a week later, I'm probably going to listen to this episode back and be like, fuck, I should have changed my answer to this. So on our list, we have 10 traditional horror slasher, slasher, scary, Halloweeny, whatever you want to put them in movies. And then at the very end, we have a, a bonus one for our favorite spoof movie, which yes. we both are really big spoof fans. So also big those. comedy nerds. So, so we'll see it. why the choices we had made and why it. we put them there. Well, yeah, we will be explaining. Actually, Tony, if you for, want to go first for, for reference real quick. And this is just because I know there's <laughs> going to be one of you little fuckers out there. There's one on here that might be considered a spoof slash comedy horror film. It's not go fuck yourself. This is my list. Not you'll, yours. Make you'll your get own. that in. Okay. Okay. Stony. Please go first. And so talk. for my first slot. Your first slot? Your slot? My first, my first slot on my chart Reno here. Your first slot? <laughs> my first my first little little bullet here. Um, I couldn't decide which one hang specifically. On, hang on. Back up, Mike. Back up. 
in my first slot, I couldn't decide uh, which one of these movies by this director that I could choose from because realistically, my first choice is just anything Jordan Peele has made because all of them are fucking fantastic. So I couldn't decide. So fuck you again. My list, not yours. Uh, all three of his horror movies are up there. So Get Out, Us, and Nope are all there uh, because they're all great. And that's my reason. And you originally weren't a fan of Jordan Peele's movies yet. Well, it's not you, I wasn't a fan. Get in, it's I had never watched any of them. Yeah. I had, then, I, I had no desire to before we got together. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't find that appealing. And, yeah. then when, when, and then I watched all of them in like two days. Yes. When he got with me, I made him sit down. I said, no, these are really good. These are going to mind fuck you. These are so deep thinking movies. I know you don't like scary movies, but I promise you'll like these. And obviously, they're in his tops. <laughs> and honestly, out of that, out I of the think, three, out of, out the, of three. the three, I still think us is probably my top, just because it's of how deep, how how crazy. fucky it is, and how, how like just crazy. even the even the concept of it is so bizarre. The, the mirrored shadow people, in a sense, yeah, it's but so they're fucked. direct opposite of your yep, personality. It's they're so fucking terrifying. Fuck, that's so. What you got? What do you got in your first first slot? So in my little slot, I have. 2008, because I know this is a remake of a movie, but I think the 2008 is really good. 2008's The Strangers, and let me explain why. One, I'm terrified and have a deep-rooted fear in breaking and enterings or house evasions. Um, that's uh, a scary fear for a lot of people, so I'm not alone. Like I know that's a really big base fear. And it also kind of falls into a cult like aspect because you have these three people that are coming in to murder you in these crazy masks and you're in this house in the middle of the woods and at this time that's kind of where i lived so i felt like this movie was really accurate <laughs> and relatable to me and it was genuinely scary and i think the scenes that uh, like i said I, watching this as a child <laughs> pretty much um as a you know, middle schooler um, the scenes that stick out is the way they were able to get the windows to be so dark from the inside out to where you can't really see anything looking out, um, is also really scary. Like big giant open windows in forests scare the hell out of me because it's like, why, why do you need that? For one, you turn an outside light on and there can be anything standing there. Um, but I love the cinematography work of it too, is the fact that they made it from not only the the victims POVs but they were really honing into like standing from the outside of the house a lot and i just think that really dives into a, a yeah it's a it's a, it's a more realistic a realistic horror movie it's, because that is 100% great. something that could it's happen it's very yeah it's very scary and like i said it, it goes into like the manson kind of cult vibes um going in and killing people together dressed as you know what i mean like for a reason it, and then they made they recently made a second one, and I still think the second one's pretty good as well. Like the sequel's pretty good, um, but that first one just really is really gets the scares. In my next slot, uh, I've got another one that's not necessarily a specific movie, uh, but just by saying the name, you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but Hellraiser, Hellraiser is so good is so good because it's so the the concept of it alone is so off the wall. I mean, the fact that you created an entire universe about beings that love pleasure and pain so much that they so kinky. It, but, but don't know the difference between the two because they're so hedonistic. And it's that, just, it's just, 
Sorry. It's just such a bizarre concept. And like the fact that it spawned like this entire sub sub series from the original. And then you start getting into like pinhead and stuff like that. And it's like some of the scenes in it are very gruesome, but also very like cinematic at the same time. And it's like, it's what I say, like good horror should be like, it's, you've got scenes of like real high tension and then you've got like some scenes of brutality all at the same time. And it also is the era of the practical effects. Yes. I think the practical effects and the makeup and the Yeah, like shooting effects. needles through people. Yeah, but not even like the the makeup uh characterization, like how they created Pinhead to look like that. Like I just think it's such a beautiful monster creation. I love the whole special effects and makeup departments in horror films cuz they're always so fucking cool. Moving on to my second choice, not in order, again, repeating this. We don't have to say that again. We've I will say, however, this is a very big top. It is at least top five for me, easily, is the 1996 Scream. A lot of people fucking hate this movie, but it also is a cult classic. I absolutely love it because I love the casting in the movie, I think it is so well done, and each person fills the character's shoes uh, amazingly. You just I love, love how Drew Drew Barrymore is such a bimbo in this movie. I love Drew Barrymore as Casey Becker. I think Courtney Cox playing in it is so good. I think Matthew Lillard kills any horror movie. Let's be fucking real. But I just love, like I said, I love the slasher films. And Scream gave me, because all the Screams now, and I've seen the Scream TV show. I've seen all the Screams after this. I think, like, Scream 2 holds up pretty well, but not uh, not as well as the first one. But all the other, like, new remakes of Scream, I think, are, like, awful. I think they're so dumb and stupid. But this, Yeah, like, this, this new one scream, that just came out was really, yeah, really dumb. This Scream is so good because of the practical effects, because of... Of who's in it, for one. It, it is just a classic. But I love the way that it does feel like an 80s slasher film, even though it was in the late 90s. You know? Like, it gives well, me a hint of taste, a little tiny taste of 80s slasher. Yeah, That's and I know, I know one top. of your favorite specific... Hang on, we're not going to get there. You're going to mess up my, 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 my order. That's, that's what we're going to do with that. All right, Stoney, give me another one. So this next category... Uh, surprise, surprise. We have something very similar because, uh, we like a lot of the same stuff, but we have the exact same franchise, uh, two different adaptations of it. Uh, mine more on the newer spectrum. Hers is the original, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mine specifically from the year 2003. And why the 2003? Because it's the very first Texas Chainsaw Massacre I ever saw. It's what I I believe, if I'm thinking about I think it's one of the first, like, actual scary movies I ever saw. Slasher style kind of. Yeah, it was definitely the first slasher. But I do know, like, that and then I think the first, like, actual horror movie I ever saw, I want to say was Butterfly Effect. Butterfly but I don't remember which one came out first. Butterfly but I, Effect fucked me up. That movie fucked me up too. It fucked with my brain, man. Yes, it is a very psychological Whoa. thriller. But anyways, I'm sure if anyways. we watched it now, it wouldn't hold up. No, but anyway, back to the one we're talking about. The 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The reason why, not only it being the very first like horror movie I can remember seeing, it terrified the living shit out of me. But also, there's a very, very, very specific scene. It is, like, in the first five minutes of the movie. 
They pick up a hitchhiker. Hitchhiker tells them something's fucked up. She pulls out a gun and literally blows her head out in the middle of this fucking car as they're driving down the road. And they just lose their shit. And then the movie just keeps going from that point on. And it's constant blood, constant gore. Just a massive amount of Your other reason for liking it is... Oh, duh, because of who's in it. Who's in it? Jessica Biel. (laughs) It's the only reason Stoney likes it. Because she plays the hot girl. (laughs) It's the only other reason you like it so much. So now that they know mine, which which Texas Chainsaw Massacre is yours? On the other end of the spectrum here is my choice is the original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the reason I like... I mean, I'm more for originals in general because I think they just hold up way better than most of the remakes. Some of the remakes are really good, but uh, I still like the 74. I do enjoy the 2003. I do think it is really good. And side note, the new Leatherface movie that just ca- that kind of came out recently is about uh, this main character as a kid growing up in the like chainsaw household. Um, and how he became the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is really cool. It's a really cool perspective. Highly recommend watching it. It's on HBO Max. It's called Leatherface. Anyways, I like the original because not only was this one of the first slasher films really to be put on a giant scale, it was based on a true story. The original is so much more gory than the remakes have been. Um, I think the practical effects on this are so much better. I think the camera work is absolutely phenomenal because you got to think if they're doing a chasing scene you have somebody strap have a camera strapped to them running down this dirt road chasing after the victim to make it look like the killer's pov i think the sex scenes in it are way better i think the 70s vibe of the movie really pairs well with the time of the release of this movie obviously compared to the remakes so that is why i am i am such an original girly anyways but like when it comes to chase text chase Massacre, this is one of my favorites that i i used to watch this so many times as a kid i was shown the original before any of the remakes anyways so like this that's also why it kind of uh affects my choices of originals is because i didn't see a remake then watch the original i watched the originals and watched the remakes which has a huge difference on people because some people will not will not enjoy the originals because they've seen the remakes first and they're like, well, that's not how this happens. And it just has a it's it's just your perspective on 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 movies in general, you know. Um, but th- this movie was a movie I watched prominently as a child. We watched it every Halloween. Um, no cover in the eyes, just enjoying the artistry of it and and all things uh, horror and gore. For my next category, uh, well, I keep saying category. My next block, I have a movie. Yeah, don't say my next block because you just said it twice in a row. Say on to another choice. Another one of my choices, and this movie scared the fuck out of me. I think it's a good Uh, movie, too. I think, honestly, this is one of the best horror movies of the 2010s. Uh, It's Sinister. And if any of you have not seen this movie... With Ethan Hawke. Okay, I don't care about who's in this one at all. I'll just, I'm just going to be honest with you. This one Ethan is Hawk's not about who's in it remotely for me at all. This is purely for the the fear. Because this movie is honestly just fear-inducing. Uh, I remember the first time I saw it, uh, it scared the shit out of me. Because it something about the the way that all the brutal murder scenes are done with the projector the fact, 
Yes, the fact that it's on a projector and the fact that you come to find out that it's all the kids that end up getting possessed are the ones recording their entire family being destroyed. It is fucking terrifying. And there's this one scene with the lawnmower and then there's the one where they all hang and they drown all of them. They get set on fire in a car. It is fucking terrifying. And then the absolute worst part of this entire movie, after you're getting just fucking just put through the ringer for like almost two hours straight. You think, okay, the movie's over finally over. There's a final scene and you, the movie's panning out and all it is in the attic. And then the motherfucker's face pops up right before the credit show. And it tears, it scared the ever living fuck out of me because we need to rewatch it. Oh my God, dude, that movie got me so hard. The first time I saw it. it, it terrified the shit out of me. I think it's good. I think the, the, demonic monster creation was really cool like i think yes. i think that's a cool character as well it's very yes. unique a very it, unique it style. also scared me because the first time i watched it i watched projectors it a, freaked me out for a while i watched it in movie. a house that we actually thought was haunted even and worse. so it just made it even worse it just terrified the shit out of me even worse i think i also that after watching that too i remember like projectors kind of scaring me for a while yeah i got afraid they'd fucking turn on <laughs> and that fucker would just appear places because anything that has him becomes him so you're it could school. be a picture of him and he jumps out fuck no, it was terrifying you're at school and you're like please 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 no please. see this was this I, the first time i watched this I, had, I was out of high school at this point oh, oh i watched it when it came terrified. out no see i didn't i saw it on dvd like i, I mm. remind yeah remember I didn't really like horror films, so I never yeah, went to the theaters to watch them. Yeah, like I just—it's no, never. No, I was—I was generally at school, and even though they had like smart boards, and some classes did, and I still was just like, "Ooh, he's gonna—he's gonna be right on here. This is so yeah. scary." The next gonna, day, it's so he's scary. gonna—he's gonna pop up on that uh that right on vis a vis fucking overhead it good, projector. It was a good original movie story. It, it was, was. Really that's good. that's what it really good was story. because again. 2010s also still suffering from that. Let's redo a billion things. Yeah, exactly. Um, on to another original. Um, my next is the 1984 version, an original version of The Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Freddy Krueger, uh, crazy storyline. If you fall asleep, he's going to come into your nightmares and kill you one and then two, if you die in phrase, your dream you die in real life yeah one two phrase coming for you i used to know that whole fucking song this is also another movie i watched as a child or just growing up in general that i we watched uh every uh halloween time it was part of the kind of watch list along with like texas chainsaw massacre this is the originals i do really 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 thoroughly enjoy Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I don't remember when that one came out, but that one also is such a good uh, adaptation as well. I really did think it was... I mean, Wes Craven in general has some good movies, um, but I thought that was a really well done. It wasn't as gimmicky or stupid. It really held up. But I love, once again, the practical effects of the mask and how Freddy looked. I loved the the bed scene where she's laying in the bed and they just, he just stabs up through it with his oh, no, fucking the one knife that, the one that fucked and me it's up, everywhere. Oh, it's so the scary. one that fucked me up was the guy in the waterbed. Yeah. Where that's he, it. Where he just stabs. No, no, he doesn't just stab. Yeah, he gets, he, he gets pull his, his, his fucking, his hands come up with those fingers. Cause that person's yeah. laying there. And with then he like, gets stormed I, in I think they're sitting there with like a Walkman on or something. I have headphones. And yeah. so like the hands come up and just like, grab him and pull him into the mattress Drown the first him time the i saw yeah, that crazy. the first time i saw that i was terrified to lay on beds bed. for a hot minute 
after watching this for the first time, and I mean, any other time I watched it, I was always terrified of going to sleep, which is the whole premise of the movie. Like, don't fall asleep. He's going to be in your dreams. And yeah. I love it. It's another 80s slasher film that just holds up. And like I said, also, I all I love the theme, too, in these 80s slasher films is if you have sex, you die. So for the longest time, I, I figured out the running theme in movies is like, if you have sex in a scary position, you will die. Uh, you will die. You're going to die from these fucking monsters. And I think it's great. I think, like I said, I think the sex in the horror is such a... Uh, it's like peanut butter and jelly, you know? Like, it's just, it pairs so well together, and I love it. I love it in all, in all the movies. They're, it's great. For my next one... Uh, another I, great, another I have, great. I have an original uh, from someone who's really great, uh, one of the godfathers of horror, uh, Mr. Stephen King, and it's the original, the 1990 adaptation of his book, It. With one this... of the best actors ever. This fucking movie, this movie scared me beyond belief for one scene in particular. Not the Georgie come down here, not the I'm going to eat you, not any of that stuff. What the scene only, was it? <laughs> the scene that terrified me more than anything, and I don't know why it did, but it fucking freaked the fuck out of me, is the blood balloon scene where they're inside of the library and all the balloons start popping and blood just starts going fucking everywhere. <laughs> Don't know why. It's not necessarily a particularly brutal scene, but it terrified the fuck out of me. Because during the scene, the entire time, like all the adults and stuff, it's like they don't even notice what's going on. And so like there's like this one part where it's like a dude reading a paper and then the balloons pop and stuff like that, splattering blood all over the people. The guy and nobody pays attention to it. And it's like the weirdest, like it's a very creepy scene for me. And Tim Curry absolutely nailed the original It. I, I think... Pennywise? Yes, Pennywise, I meant. Um, he absolutely nailed Pennywise this because when you watch it as an adult, I mean, like, all with all Tim Curry movies, you really, like, appreciate his acting style and the way that he can make a character a character. And you can't really compare it to uh, the Scarzards, uh Version which, of Pennywise, which is still which is a very good. fucking good version of Pennywise. It's so it's just good. Different. It's so good. But Tim Curry makes it seem like a normal clown, and that's what's really scary. Because yeah, because Pennywise just seems like a normal. Haha! It's just a random guy in a mask, clown guy, but not a weird spider monster thing that feeds on children. As in the newer ones, which the newer ones are still fucking fabulous. But I think also that. Tim Curry brings that innocence to Pennywise in a sense. He makes him kind of la-la-la, but people are still terrified of clowns in general. So him even just being a la-la-la clown, it still scares the fuck out of people because of the yeah, way he, he like he, he played the pronounces word words well. or he moves his face. Like he just, it's, 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 it's so different compared to the, the new ones and scars are doing his fucking facial movements in the new ones is also fucking insane that he can do that. Well, yeah. He's also he a method manipulate, actor. That's yeah. Why. He can manipulate his face, but I, I think both of them are very well done, but yes, the original is, is, is a chef's kiss. I think because of Tim Curry, I will what you got that. next. Um, mine is also unoriginal. It is the 1980 and the very first, Friday the 13th with Jason Voorhees coming onto the big screens as an original slasher, as an original killer. I love the concept, how I mentioned kind of earlier when we ended our little brief history thing, the fact that it is this giant humanoid person that has these mommy issues that makes him go and kill these camps because he almost drowned or he drowned in the lake at a camp. 
Um, I just love it. I think the costuming is amazing that he's stuck with a hockey mask and underneath is this wet zombie-like face with little hair and he's this giant man with ripped up clothes and carrying this long machete. Cause you know, all killers have their uh, iconic weapon. You have Nightmare on Elm Street, which is the hands, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface, which is the chainsaw. You have Michael Myers with the huge kitchen knife. And then you have uh, Jason with the machete. They're all fucking iconic. But I also love, it goes back to my love of 80s slasher films, but I loved the camp environment. Not only is the camp environment there, but it is campy in the, you know, <laughs> queerest of terms. I love the whole uh, camp counselor vibes in the shorts and the ringer tees in, in um, bringing your friends out to have some fun by Crystal Lake in this camp. I love the fact that it also has the theme of you have sex, you die. And I, I loved the sex scenes too of just um, how intimate it'd be and that how you would always be like, okay, how is he going to kill them while they're in this position? And I couldn't imagine dying or getting stabbed with a giant mach machete through one person and out the other while someone's inside of me. <laughs> like, it's just such a mind fuck of shit. I think it's same thing with the practical effects. I think they're so cool. It goes back to also with the Lost Boys a little bit with the how the camera angles are a little gimmicky, but you kind of look over it compared to just how good and original the storyline is. But yeah, I think it's really funny that it's literally just this dude who has a bunch of mommy issues that go and kill a bunch of campers because that's the camp he died at and, and got made fun of and bullied. And you almost feel bad for Jason, so you know, at, at the end of the time too. And that also goes back to the Freddy versus Jason that we talked about where Jay Freddy's literally drowning Jason but Freddy's also scared of water and Jason's scared of fire or, or Freddy's scared of fire too so it's like they're battling the elements and I just think it's great I think they're great for this next hold on this next one uh, again no, no, no. don't say that Huh? just say another choice Another one on our list. Uh, no surprise, surprise. Uh, same fucking franchise again. Uh, who to thunk? Uh, <laughs> we're a, an amazing. Yeah, same same creator. Well, no, not even same creator. This is the same franchise. This your choice is the sequel of my. Well, not necessarily yeah. sequel. It's the Overlaid. continuation. But by somebody who makes amazing horror films. And the only reason this is actually on here is specifically because it was made by Rob Zombie. Because uh, of Rob Zombie. I have The House of a Thousand Corpses. Good as choice. This choice. Um, for those of you that don't know, House of a Thousand Corpses is kind of can be, it can kind of be considered a horror comedy because there are humor elements of it because it's written by Rob Zombie. Captain Spaulding, man. Rob Zombie does a lot of funny stuff. Uh, I mean, for fuck's sake, he has a character named Dr. Satan. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, like it's, it doesn't get much good. more funnier than that. Like, it's a good movie. Playing specifically on certain tropes that he finds laughable. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's an entire movie about people trying to find the, this tree that Dr. Satan was hung from. They pick up a hitchhiker, end up in this house that turns out to be the house of a thousand corpses with this weird psychopathic murder family um but it's like really funny but also really brutal at certain times well done. It's, it's a zombie it's, film you know it's real good a rob zombie film is is done so well too it's not cheesy it's it's right on that border of like cheesy and not you know 
Yep, and it leads directly into your choice. My choice is 2005's Devil's Reject. I remember watching this movie when it came out. I was quite young, so probably shouldn't have watched it, but I did sneak to be able to watch it. And I've watched it many times as an adult and many times as a teenager. And I also am a huge fan of Rob Zombie, not only just uh, his music, but his art that he produces as well, uh, filmmaking being one of it. I think his wife is uh, an amazing actress. I think they did really well in this uh, in this movie as uh, into it, and it played into another realistic fantasy of a trio of like cult like killings, um, and the brutality of it was amazing. I think also with the special effects mixed in with a little bit of CGI is brilliantly done. I think the blood and the gore and the anti-anybody in this movie is so amazing. Hates everything. Hates everything. Doesn't care. Loves each other, but hates everybody else. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. That and just how many people can we kill? This That's next really one what that, it boils yeah, down to. This next one that Stoney picked, I to me, before he tells you what it's about, if you know anything about Stoney, you know what he's about to say is the most spot-on movie that Stoney could ever pick as a, as a horror movie in his top faves, and yes. he literally just watched it yesterday. No, was, I I rewatched it because re-watched you it. had never no, seen no, it, no. and I needed to show no, you. No, I I've seen it. It was just a long time since I seen it, and I didn't think it was as good. And it's the same thing that I was just like, okay, it's it's such a Stony movie. But it's it, a great it makes, fucking movie. It makes me laugh because as he was, we were watching it together. He was just giggling and laughing and just having a blast. Because it's such a it's, funny movie. It's it's not even funny, but it was it's just so up your alley. Okay, it's not so okay, so this one also could technically be considered a horror comedy, which I don't care. It's my list. Go fuck yourself. Uh it's called Dead Snow. It is a off the fucking wall movie because first off, it's only in Scandinavian. It's a Scandinavian it's, movie. Sorry, it's not in Scandinavian. It's in Norwegian. It is a Scandinavian horror film Check. about Nazi zombies. Check. World War II stuff. Check. The most so the whole perfect. premise, the whole premise of this entire movie is a group of medical students go to a cabin in the in like the mountains of Norway to stay in this like cabin for like a holiday. They go out there, they're having a good time. One of the people hasn't showed up. They're starting to get worried. Some random dude cuz in every horror movie there's always a random foreboding omen that's like "Ooh, don't go in those woods bad things happen in those woods (laughs) every horror movie has that fucking guy girl whatever that trope is always in there so of course they do it they talk about hey this area was really bad with nazis in world war ii there was a guy he killed a bunch of people wanted all this gold the people fought back the guy ran off into the forest with his battalion these zombies come back and they happen to be nazi zombies because of this gold and they it's have the gold. Funny. They don't know that it's the gold until later on in the story, but people start getting killed left and right in the most bizarre ways. My and favorite they are brutal. They are they're brutal. Very, very fucking brutal. But my absolute favorite is there's a scene where they're talking about don't go near the windows. And as this dude is telling them not to go near the windows, a zombie reaches both hands through a window, grabs him, puts his puts its thumbs in his eye sockets, and literally rips his skull open in half, and his brain falls out right in front of, like, 
eight people and they just get splattered with blood. It is the funniest thing because they all just start screaming and they just look at it, look at the brain, look back at each other, and they don't know what the fuck to do. So it is what, one of my favorite movies. What makes this, when I said such a stony movie, let me give you the list. Okay, Sony, just sit back. It's a Scandinavian flick. Check. A foreign film, quote unquote, check. It has to deal with world. <laughs> it has to deal with World War Two, check, and it has the craziest gore in a movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Also, check. Those are the three things that make just the perfect movie for Stony. But oh, yeah. not only the practical effects. The practical effects were really good, and I was complimenting to Stony. I was telling that the, the compliment of the movie is the fact that everything is in this pure white snow, and the blood and the uh, the accents of everything it just pop way more. Oh it yeah, just, everyone's so wearing like winter clothes because they're again in the mountains in Norway, and it's yeah. It, anyways, it just, it, it just it pairs really well, and it's definitely a movie you should watch. Uh, if you're into that kind of stuff. If you're not into oh, gore or blood, don't watch it at all. Yeah, don't watch it. But also one of the reasons it made, it's such a good movie is it even talks about horror movies. Because like Other the horror whole, movies, The yeah. whole running joke about it is like, oh, well, we can't do that because that was an evil dead. And just like stuff like that, it, they they reference horror films. Right, fourth wall. Yeah. And it's like why – it's like what real people would do if they were in this situation because they were like, well, in this horror movie, this happened, so let's not do that. On to the next choice. So we can kind of keep keep it rolling. Uh, my all-time favorite movie, all-time favorite horror movie. This one is my number one. This I one will... could be a number one for you. This is my number one. What are you talking about? Could be. Is no, my I'm saying one. out of this list, This if this was list was in an order, this would be number one. Yes, that's what I just said. This is my number one. This is my number one outside of horror films. This is my favorite movie ever. It is The Silence of the Lambs with Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins. And uh, if you've seen it, you know fucking why. If you've seen it and you're like, why? Um, there's a million reasons why. One, it is lengthy as hell. Two, the acting is so phenomenal. The whole Hannibal Lecter made-up murder series is absolutely phenomenal. Going over to Red Dragon and just Hannibal and all the, it's just I can't rave it about enough and I'm not gonna go into too much detail because it just is. It's my number one. It's my favorite movie ever. Absolutely amazing. That is all. Stony, your turn. My next one is The Happening. Really good movie. Uh very terrifying because it is more a real scenario that could happen psychologically uh, fucking around kind of kind of vibe yeah it, it really did because like for the longest time i got afraid that plants would legitimately turn against humanity and make me kill myself okay like, that was more. a that was a real fucking fear of mine like because it because you would never know like it's so realistic and yeah. you would never know if it was happening until it started happening something yep. about the 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 one of the very first scenes when you see about it like people all getting to the edge of buildings and mass suicide all at the same time terrified the shit out of me this one i think a lot of you guys can relate on especially if you grew up in the 2000s um it's such a this this whole franchise so i put it as the movies this whole franchise plays on a lot of what ifs and heavily heavily is a realistic anxiety inducing series any and all of the final destinations. I made sure to include that on the list because they're they are scary movies and psychological thrillers, 
But watching these as a child has really caused a lot of anxieties as an adult. <laughs> it's made a lot um, of unnecessary trauma in our lives. A, a lot of unnecessary fear. And I know a lot of you are going to agree with me on it. It's it's a common thing for a lot of us that watched it growing up or even just watched it as an adult. You just, it really did prey on your the slightest, tiny anxieties. Um, the most famous scene is most people will never drive behind log trucks. Um, Amy. That's that one in pipe trucks or anything that's got anything yeah, cylindrical it, that could come that off. That or people get scared of tanning beds. Yep. I know, like the fear of the bridge, the va- like falling off a bridge into the water. That's yep. like a huge fear for me, and still is. Like uh, anything hanging above my bed. Bed, yeah. It's just like the, the, I could go into so much detail, but we're just gonna leave it at that. Like it is an anxiety-inducing. Every single one of them, no matter how bad they are, are like after you watch them, you're like. Oh fuck! That's something. Yeah, I Yeah, Final Destination really created such a fucking undue amount of fear for a lot of people, and a lot of and a, it did. It's the it's the anxiety it gave you. That's that's a movie I think should be in the top of all horror movies because it's not just a short lasting scare; it is a lifelong. Oh, you mean like the roller coaster <laughs> scene and why I'm afraid it, uh, to ever put my arms up. Yep. on a roller coaster yep. because or I already am gonna, tall. Yep, or you're going to get stuck on a roller coaster or you're going to fly yep. off or you're going to fall yep. out. Yep, yep, all yep. of those. That's what I'm saying. This one wins, I would say, ultimate horror movies because of that reason. It's not just a, a one-time scare every time you watch it. It's a lifelong trauma. Trauma. Next for me, surprise, surprise, it's another fucking zombie movie because I'm so original. You like And zombies. actually... And actually, it's not just one. It's technically two, but I put them together as one because there's only We're two similar. of these films. Yeah. And honestly, they are a direct, direct, you have to watch them together. because Both are good. Both are great. Yeah, they're both great, but it's the uh, the 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later films. Uh, they're so good because the first one mm-hmm. is so realistic of what would happen if a actual zombie outbreak happened. What would happen in the first 28 days of that outbreak? And then... 28 weeks later does such a good depiction of, so this is what it would look like six L- months Longer after. term, yeah. Like, yeah. it's so fucking good. And I the think fact it's really that, well done, too. The fact that you see, like, the story of, like, someone just randomly waking up to them, you know, finding, quote-unquote, salvation. Then you go into the next movie where it's all about the communities and everything like that. But the fact that they managed to show how well it would look, and they did it on such a small scale because they just used Britain. Like, yeah. they just used the country of England for it. and. It is so well done. Like it's, it is hands down one of my favorite zombie movies because it does such a good depiction of like real zombies that one have no realistic. They have no humanoid aspect to them. They are purely just creatures trying to kill shit. Yeah. And because it's an infection based one, I think that's also why it was so terrifying. Agreed. Agreed. I agree on that. That's a good, it's a good choice. I'm not into zombie films, but I do, I do like those two and resident evil. Like I said earlier. (laughs) Conway, we started we started talking about this and conway went on a thing and we or well not we but she watched uh the first two resident evils again the they're night. so good that the uh nemesis and resident evil 2 i want to rip me apart in every way possible delicious big old honking monster yum 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 anyways uh on to another choice that i chose um, this movie is so also very prominent to me. I think the casting is well done in this movie. I love the storyline. I think it's such a, a very well original, creative, 
Uh, Outlook is 13 Ghosts. If you guys have never seen 13 Ghosts, I highly recommend it. It's not really a more of a demonic possession movie, so if you're not really into things like that, it just has to deal with ghosts and uh, that aspect. It does have Matthew Lillard in it, so if you're a Matthew Lillard fan, you'll absolutely love this movie. I love the character monster creations in this movie. I oh, think yeah, it's a, it, the, so the, idea, well the premise is so good. I think the each each of the 13 ghosts, each individual individual ghost or ghost pairing is so beautifully done. I think the uh makeup artist paired with the effects of like what the ghost is going to look like or what the ghost is paired with or their storyline behind each ghost, which is what you learn in the movie, is so well done. My favorite is the um naked lady which is what they call her and she's all pale white and she has all these slashes on her and she's just bloody and wet i think that's such a good pairing and then the jackal um kind of cage-faced monster demonic looking thing is so cool like you'll just have to look them up 13 ghosts is amazing i like i said the story is great the acting's great the premise is great um it has a little bit of cgi but it does do a lot of practical effects and like i said it is a very good original story and on to the last uh, choices on, on our things that we decided to include. What, what is your last one? For before my we last get, before one. Before we get into our, uh, our bonus one, our spoof one. For my last one, I picked another that was, a ver- it was original, an original story. Um, and surprisingly for me, actually one that I was like, oh, okay, that I, can, I can vibe with this one. But it's because uh, I'm not really big on like the possession style ones. Like that's not really something like I don't really care about like the exorcist, stuff like that. You are- Never really my type of horror, but Insidious. You also don't um, like any of the other Insidiouses either. You I don't. Only, only like- the first one. The very first one is the only one that I like, which I know kind of weird because everyone says, oh, well, the series is actually pretty good if you watch all. Yeah, but. No, I only care about the very first one because yeah. the very first one was genuinely terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so many parts of that movie live in my head rent free, and I kind of wish it didn't. Like the fucking the when they're having the conversation, the face pops up randomly, or whenever uh, when they look at the fucking door for the first time and tiptoe through the tulip starts playing. That song is always just in my head rent free now. Um, if it gets too quiet ever and I start walking, it'll just start playing in my head and I get terrified <laughs> you sometimes. get nervous. And I'm oh, like, God. holy fuck, this is a movie that I haven't watched in 10 years. Why does this still affect me? I love that but it it uh it had an impact. Uh, but that was actually a very good movie. Um, it's, even it, though it, it's uh, all based on like possession and stuff like that, which I don't really care for much. Yeah. It was a good it, film. It's also fascinating, like I said, you do not enjoy the other ones. You know, you just, you have, you have, you, you've, you've seen some of the other ones, but you just, you, that first one. Yeah, because I feel like after the first one, it's all reaching. It's the same thing you said earlier. After the first two, it's always usually bad. Yeah. I think there's very few series that I can do that with Resident Evil being one of them because they're all great. They're all great because they're all based on video games. Anyways, anyways. What about your Last last, last choice? On this little list here we made. My last choice is another franchise because I decided to group it in like the Final Destinations because, you know, they're all based on the same thing, all with kind of the same storyline, right? You can't really pick one Final Right, yeah, especially with Final Destination. It's the same movie, just redone eight times. Things, yeah. The Saw franchise I had to include because it is such a prominent, iconic series in horror history. It is another way of thinking. A lot of uh, it also 
falls into the fear anxieties like Final Destination does, except for it's the fear anxiety of if something happens like this, how am I going to escape? Yep, that's there's the, always choices. That's the difference between the Final Destination where I talked about how it just feeds into your anxieties of like, this is, this is something I'm trying to avoid. This could happen. This, the song deals with, this has happened. How are you going to get out of it? And every time people watch it, uh, the first time they watch it, they're actually watching it and they're like, oh my God, because you, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen. The second right. or you know, the, t- the times after you watch them over and over, you think about, okay, how would I get out of this situation? How can I escape this situation? If that was me, what would you do? What would be your choices? And it is kind of a choose your own adventure in your own brain. When you're, when you're watching the movie, you're choosing your own adventure while watching this these characters play out right what i think was so well done about it is because remember this is a movie series that got started in the mid 2000s yes like practical effects were still practical very effects much um it was a very simple concept yes executed kidnapped. perfectly kidnapped. you're kidnapped you're you trapped choices. you have a choice make your to, choice do you live or, or do you die yeah. do you live or do you let someone else die things and, like that very simple black and white choices that aren't a black and white choice in any modern sense ever. And then also you have to take in the effect they did so well with it because they're marketing for it. Oh, like, it was amazing. do you remember like all the like things that would pop up randomly? Like they would, they would do uh publicity stunts and stuff about yeah, it. All with all with all horror films, but I think, I'm but specifically excited. the saw franchise, I think did a very good job yes. with it. And also, I don't know if it's a popular or unpopular opinion, but me personally, Anything after the third one sucked because the first three were all story driven and the rest were all kind of oh, that's lackluster. Your, that's your opinion. I, yeah, I that's my all, opinion of it. I think all the fran- I think all the saws held held up. And speaking of saws, I thought it'd be a good way to end on that is because I'm actually genuinely excited for the new saw to see the new saw. I am very excited to see the new saw. I go and watch them every time they're out. I think they're so good, but I know that this one is going to be pretty good. Um, because it's been some years since they did a, did another one. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, and that's kind of the end of our list, but we're going to give you a nice little bonus one before we go ahead and get off here. Cause it is time to get off of here. Um, For our, our honorable mentions, our honorable uh, mention, our spoof, our comedy horror movie of choice. Tony, what is yours? Mine? Uh, all I gotta say is Tucker and Dale versus evil. If you it's haven't great. seen it, go fucking watch it. It is fucking hysterical. It's great. It's so great. Cause it's also actually really good horror movie like, yeah and it's <laughs> in my opinion it's how i would be if anything like this started happening around me like what the fuck is going on yeah it's just it's a realistic adaptation of a horror movie and i absolutely love it it's also a zombie movie so i get why you also <laughs> it's not a zombie that. movie it's not yes, a zombie movie it's no. technically i don't know i don't know how to describe what a- he anyways, is anyways 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 um, so my choice is Scary Movie 2. And I specifically say Scary Movie specifically 2. Specifically Scary Movie 2. It is such an iconic movie for me. It's the best one. It's the best one. Everyone will mostly agree it's the it's best the one. It's the absolute best one. The first one's okay. The third one's great, but the second, that is the best one out of the whole it, series. The bits in this movie, like the first one, they really laid down the line of like, this is a spoof movie. This is how we do things. We make fun of all the scary movies. Then the second movie, this was scary movie too. They really went all out. The bits are so fucking funny. The The bits are fucking hysterical. The casting is also great. I think the comedy uh, levels of... For one, you have so many memorable moments. First, you have so many references that we still use today. Hang on, 
You have everyone's favorite grab my strong hand, which is the crazy mixed in the mashed potatoes at dinner. You have the ghost fucking scene where she's fucking him. And that was for me as it like growing. I was like, I want a ghost to fuck me. I want a ghost to fuck me. <laughs> like, I just, I like, you know, it was one of those things. You have that. You have the whole shorty getting rolled up as a fucking blonde. A big old blood. Smoked by a, a fucking. By a uh, tree. By, by, by a tree plant, which is like an O, an O to tree little. Tree smoking little, trees. Yeah. It's, it's an, an homage to Little Shop of Horrors. You have uh, the ghosts in it. You have the butlers in it for Clue. Like you have the scream. It, it's just every horror movie together. Anna Ferris does an amazing. Amazing job, as always, playing some ditzy, dumb idiot, and it's so fun. But yeah, the bits and the sayings and that as a franchise as a whole is amazing. But scary. And movie also, two, we can't forget great. the slapstick nature of Scary Movie Two because yeah, that's in that time period where slapstick is everywhere. Yeah, but yeah, spoof movies in general. Scary Movie Two is is top tier for me, um, and I think that's it. That's it with our list. We're gonna end it there. Uh, we got some other shit we need to do anyways. So we're all right. So I'm gonna get out of here. Uh, where can the good people find you Conway? No, no, no. Where can the good people find you, Stoney? No, I asked you first. No, that's not how we do things around here. And then everyone knows where can the good people find you? They can find me everywhere at Stony Robbins or Stony Robbins underscore. If you can't figure it out, type it normally. Well, figure it out and find a different way. What about you, Conway? The good folks out there can find me at conwaytitty.com that is conway t-i-t-t-y dot com you can find me everywhere you can catch us on stream we will be watching uh october we'll be starting we every week we do our stream sleepovers on the channel and in the discord come watch some movies with us we're starting out with obviously my favorites silence of the lambs scream and scary movie too come watch those with us uh stoney will be there to watch them with you too so that'll be super fun that's on twitch and discord be sure to join um, I appreciate you guys watching. Let us know your favorite horror movie and or spoof horror movie in the comments or messages privately. If you're not a public person, that's fine too. We read them. Uh, but other than that, you guys take care. Happy Halloweeny season. Happy spooky season. Uh, you Much said weenie. Weenie. Huh? Much more fun episodes coming up at you. I hope you guys have a good rest of your night, day, wherever you are. Stay hydrated. Get some sleep. And we'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye.